Well, I don't have a lot to say. I know Easter Sundays are usually busy days, and I try my best uh, to uh, accommodate. Now, some of you that haven't been here in a while, I have tried to change a new leaf. I got a, a, a big clap uh, last week, hurt my feelings a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you know why you're laughing. So I, was, I, 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 I told everyone, I just went to a church conference and I heard an amazing message and this dude delivered an amazing message in like 25 minutes. So I'm going to come back and try to give you an amazing message in 25 minutes. <laughs> D- oh my God. You should have just at least made me feel good and say, oh, no, 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 Jonathan, no, Johnny, give it to us. Thank you very much. I'm going to try to give it to you in about 25 minutes today, all right? So if you are new, haven't been here in a while, uh, there's a new leaf that I'm trying to turn over, all right? So today we have a theme called The Great Comeback, and it's a bit twofold. Uh, One-fold basically why we celebrate today. We celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is and was the greatest comeback of all time. But we also chose this thing because of what it can represent to us. Not just coming back to church, that is a fault, but coming back to maybe what God wants us to come back to in our mind, in our relationships, in our activities, in our dreams, our pursuits, and so forth. Where I want to start at today is talking about Jesus. When you really look at Jesus in the Bible, you, you see three distinct times that he actually came to the earth. And you see another time that it said he's going to be coming back. Now there's little issues or little moments in there when we, we, we have these possibilities of Jesus revealing himself to different people in the Old Testament, but that's not really in the context of what I'm talking about. Today we're talking about the great comeback, and I want to bring out two distinct comebacks of Jesus. And what we have to realize, specifically in, in, the, in the term of Jesus, is each time he made a comeback, his comeback was a little bit greater than the previous time. And that's what I want to throw at you today. Wherever you are at, whatever you're going through, whatever changes you need to make, whatever comeback needs to occur in your life, I want to put a challenge in your mind and therefore in your actions. Let's make our comeback become greater than what it was before. Let's not come back to what was old. Let's not come back to something that might have been stagnant or complacent. Or maybe what you stopped was good, great. But let's still make it a point to come back to something that's better, something that's greater, something that's more stronger, something that's more powerful, something that's more impactive, something that's more committed, something that was better than what it was. Now, when you start talking about Jesus and his comebacks, you cannot talk about his comebacks until you first look at when he first came. 
When you look at the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, we really get where or when he first came, and it's not really what we think. We initially think that Jesus first came when he came through the birth or through the womb of a virgin young lady. But in all reality, his first, came, come, his first coming or his first arrival dates back to the very beginning of time. And let me prove that to you. Let me read this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Let me just go back to the very first verse to give you a little reverb or echo. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You skip a verse, and it says, through him all things were made without him. Now, when you begin to dive into this, what we do know is that the Word was referring to Jesus Christ. So when God spoke, the Word came forth, but what essentially came forth was Jesus in His power, Jesus in His authority. Now, it wasn't called Jesus, it was called the Word. But the authority and the power and the Spirit that we read about and we hear about in Jesus' life was the same authority and the same power and the same creative ability that came out of God's mouth in the very beginning when He said, let there be light. And so that Word was in the beginning, and that word established creation. And that word established an order. And when Adam and Eve was living in that order, they was actually living in Jesus. But yet he wasn't Jesus. He was simply the word. But then something crazy happened. Without getting into the details of it, Adam and Eve was tempted to oppose the word. To oppose the order, to oppose what was occurring and what God was doing and what God had done, to oppose this intimacy that was transpiring between God, man, and woman. And we know the story, at least most of us, is that they fell, they disobeyed God. And what happened is God's word was retracted from man's presence. The Bible teaches us that God would walk with Adam in the cool of the morning. They were not silent partners. So what we know is that God released his word to Adam in those moments that he had these walks and these strolls and these conversations. So the word was with Adam. But then when Adam and Eve sinned, God stopped walking with Adam in the cool of the morning. God stopped talking like he was talking with Adam and Eve. And it changed for all of mankind. In fact, humanity couldn't even hear from God anymore because the word was removed. That's why there were prophets. 
So in order for God's people to hear God's voice, there had to be a prophet that had a special ability and that was chosen for a specific task to be able to hear the voice of God because the word was removed. In essence, what was removed was Jesus. What was removed was the order that was established by the word Jesus. What was removed was the authority of Jesus, the word. What was removed was the love that we find in Jesus, the word. What was removed was the peace that we find in Jesus, the word. How do we know that? Because the world went into absolute chaos. Animals begin to kill animals. Humans begin to kill humans. Illegitimate relationships begin to occur. The earth turned to absolute violence. And it was a period of time after that. God looked upon the earth and he said he had made a mistake for creating mankind. And he made the choice to destroy it with a flood except for one family. So why am I saying all this? I'm saying this to to lay a foundation and to prove a point that Jesus, the Word, was removed from the earth when sin was chosen over God's order or God's Word. But then, move forward a couple thousand years, And we have a great comeback. Can somebody say a great comeback? So it's the first comeback of Jesus, but the second time Jesus came to the earth as a resident. His word was a resident the first time. He came through through a virgin young lady as a resident the second time. His comeback the first time, or his second time of being a resident on the earth, was actually greater than it was the first time. The first time it established life, it established creation, it established a way for humanity to live. But now the second time, when Jesus came the second time, he was more stronger. He was more powerful. He came in what we call an apostolic authority. He came with the power of an apostle before there was apostles. And what he came to do is he came to reestablish order. He reestablished order. Peace. He reestablished joy. He reestablished healing. He reestablished the ways of God. That's why he would go and he would heal the sick and he would raise the dead and he would cleanse the lepers and he would love the loveless. He came in a time that there was chaos and there was loss and there was no way to access God. There was only religion. And who likes religion? Most of us around here don't like religion. But we love Jesus, and Jesus came back, and he established an order. He reestablished the ways of God. But yet it wasn't enough. 
The second time he came, was not enough for him to complete his task. It was not the climax of his calling. He came establishing order. He came bringing peace. He came bringing love. He came bringing power. But yet it wasn't enough. He wasn't supposed to be only an apostle. He wasn't just supposed to be a prophet. He wasn't supposed to just be a rabbi or a teacher or an evangelist or a shepherd, a pastor. He was supposed to be a savior. He was supposed to be a Messiah. But in order for him to be a Messiah and in order for him to be a savior to the world, he had to be removed one other time. So he had a great comeback. He had a comeback with order. He had a comeback with the will of God. But he didn't come back with the totality of God's plan for humanity. And the totality of God's plan for humanity was that all people would be saved. God's plan for you, regardless of your plan, regardless of your purpose in life, regardless of what you said you would do or whoever said you would do, God's plan is for you to be saved. Salvation doesn't come from apostles. They don't come from prophets. They don't come from teachers. They don't come from evangelists. They don't come from pastors. But what they come from is a savior, a Messiah. In order for Jesus to be the Messiah and the savior, he had to die. He had to leave. He had to be removed one more time. And please, let me hit the pause button right here and give you just a little bit of word that I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you this morning. Sometimes, in order for us to fulfill everything that God has for us, we might have to be removed out of our present circumstance for a season. Because maybe... What we are doing in the place and in the time and in the relationships and in the connections that we are in right now may not be what we need in order to fulfill the totality of his purpose for our life. And sometimes God removes us out of a scene. God removes us out of a relationship. God removes us out of a job. God removes us out of a certain amount of money. God removes us out of some health. Or God removes us out of security or comfort or comfort, comfortability. I'll get it out here in a second. That's my Mississippi tongue. Can't speak right. Sometimes God removes us. Not with the plan to keep us removed, but with the plan to reestablish and to make us bigger, stronger, more powerful. Now, I am not saying, and don't read in between these lines here, that it was God's plan for us to go through what we went through over the past year. I actually believe it was a a ploy of the devil, and the devil has done havoc in the lives of so many people because of all this stuff. But what I am saying is sometimes God allows us to be removed so that he can reinstate us, and then when he reinstates us, he reinstates us with power with purpose, with fulfillment, with joy, with peace, with happiness, with all the good stuff that God has promised us. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've been removed for something for a season. 
Maybe you've been removed for something you, 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 you leaned on. You loved, you was connected to, you trusted it. Maybe you've been removed out of something that you didn't want to be removed from. But maybe God wants to use that to bring you back to a point to where you're bigger and badder than ever, baby. Look at somebody say, I'm bigger and I'm going to be badder than ever, baby. Or maybe you should say, I'm going to be littler and I'm going to be smaller and badder than ever, baby. You know you got to lose that COVID-40, y'all. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Straight up, serious. You might have been removed, and you thought, oh, my God, I've decreased. I've gone backwards. It's not what it used to be. And that could be a fact of the matter, but there is another fact at play. And the other fact at play is the mind and the will and the plan of God for you, and that is a greater comeback than you ever were. Amen? Now, the third time Jesus was resident, but yet the second comeback, is when he died. So when he was alive, he was a son of God, but yet he was also a son of man. The Bible says that he had the same feelings as we have. The same temptations, the same issues, the same problems. It's just he didn't fall, and the Bible says every single one of us falls short of the glory of God. So Jesus had the same feelings as we. But what he didn't have that he had to have in order to be the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior, is he had to overcome death. And if he couldn't overcome death, then he would just... Be a good apostle, good prophet, good teacher, good evangelist, good pastor. He wouldn't be a great, he wouldn't be a savior. See, that's the difference between Jesus and a lot of other gods and other religions, is Jesus died and he came back. Other gods don't die and come back. Jesus wouldn't be our God, and he wouldn't be the Son of God if he didn't die and come back. So he had to leave to die. And that's what he did. The Bible says that he died, and he was in the grave for three days. And the Word teaches us that while he was in the grave, he was in a domain that we don't know of. Yeah, people say they have visions of this and that, but in all reality, we really don't know. I don't put a lot of power in people's visions and dreams because it might just be some bad pizza they ate the night before. Right? It's not to say things aren't legit, but I don't build my faith off that. I build my faith off the Bible. So what we know is that Jesus went to death, went to Hades. And he was in a domain where the Bible teaches us that he required, he took back the keys to life and death. Now he did not have the keys to life and death when he was son of man slash son of God. But now he died. And in his death, while he was gone, he required the keys to life and death. So what does that mean? It means that he has, he has the potential, the power, and he has the authority to open the door for you and to close the door for you. So what does that mean? If we believe in Jesus, 
If we believe that he's the son of God, that he died on the cross, and that he rose from the dead, he can open the door to life for us, and he can close the door to death that tries to swallow us up. Because he has the keys to life and death. See, it was a greater comeback. It was his third time as a resident. It was his second comeback. And it was greater than his second time as a resident, his first comeback. He did not have the keys to life and death. He had the authority to heal, deliver, raise the dead, and all that good stuff. But now Jesus went to the grave, and he took the keys to life and death. And now he can give life to to who he wants to, and he can stop death from acquiring anybody who believes in him. Now he's the Savior. Now he's the Messiah. The Bible says that he came back. was very interesting. So where's the first place we ever see Jesus? The first place we ever see Jesus is in a garden. As the Word. God created the Garden of Eden. That was a byproduct of the Word. The second place that we see Jesus uh, 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 coming back on that second comeback Somebody help me out. I mean, I know it, but somebody help me. Huh? He, he, he kind of come out of a tomb, but where was that tomb at? That tomb was in a garden. So, so check, check this out. Check this out. So Jesus, the very first time, established order, established blessing, established access to God for Adam and Eve. Now Jesus came back on his greatest return in a garden which it was another starting point. So he came back into the garden, which was another starting point for all mankind, a starting point to walk with God, a starting point to establish order in one's life, a starting point to grow in the Spirit, to experience the goodness, the fruits of the Spirit, the blessings of the Lord, the promises of God, everything in a very spiritual format that was experienced in a physical format with Adam and Eve. Am I making sense this morning? And it all happened because Jesus had a great comeback. He was glorified. One passage says that he basically walked through a wall to enter into a room. He was glorified. Another passage says that he did so many miracles in that time span of after the grave that there is not enough books to take into account of everything that he did. He was glorified. He had a greater comeback. Now let's take this home. I'm encroaching on, I think, 20 minutes. Because I think my thing, my, my, I can barely, so I'm by the sight, sight, that's 46 years old that I hate. I think it said 1036 when I started, and it's 1053. So let's take this home. You can come back stronger. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're doing, you can come back stronger. The Bible says we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. When I was thinking about this, there was another verse that just popped that just really just kind of, I was like, whoa, magnified to me. If God be for you, Who can be against you? Let me, let me repeat that. 
God be for you. Who can be against you? God is for you coming back. He's for you being restored. He's for you being restrengthened. He's for you being blessed. He's for you experience his good. He's for you experiencing his promises. He's for you experiencing all the good that he has laid out through his son, Jesus Christ, for us. But God is really straightforward in scriptures about his children playing a part. The Bible is is based off a, a very simple structure. And it's the structure of reaping and sowing. It's very simple. We reap what we sow. So that means that we cannot ever expect God to work and operate in our life and us do nada. To be saved, you have to believe. The Bible says if we don't preach, then the world won't hear. And if the world don't hear, there won't be those who choose to believe in Jesus Christ, right? The Bible gives a parable of of farmers sowing seed, and that seed creates different types of outcome. And without the sowing, there would never be a seed. So there's a part that we have to do. So when it comes to having a great comeback, there's a, about three things I listed. You and I have to be intentional. Like, purposed, planned, focused, serious, legit. Too legit to quit. Have to be intentional. You just can't keep going through the flow and expect a great comeback and think, oh, God's going to do it, and you and I do nothing. It just doesn't work that way. Have to be willing to make sacrifices and be disciplined. We get nowhere without work. The Bible even says if you don't work, you don't eat. So we have to be disciplined. We have to be intentional. We have to be disciplined. Discipline means a practice. A practice is a habit. A habit is something we do on and on and on and on and on and on. Are you ready to be disciplined for your great comeback? Third one. It's what I just said. If God be for you, who can be against you? We can go ahead and have the worship team. You know, there's times in life, there's seasons.